Anyway, so last week we were talking about um, and sharing some next steps we'll be taking. And uh, boy, it seems these days with the way the spirit is moving, you just mention them and next thing you know, you're doing them. An incredible, uh, like speak it and it's so. So it's vision, vision. Uh, Proverbs 29:18 says, "Where there is no vision, the people perish. There is no vision, the people perish." And note that it says, "The people, the people." In other words, a community, people with a common purpose and destiny, like the church. For any community with purpose, vision is the fuel that runs the engine of forward momentum. Vision is the riverbed that not only carries the flow of the river of life toward its destination, but vision also provides the river banks that keep the flow confined to the specific purposes of that community. We need vision. In recent years, there's been a lot of talk about Vision in the church. Whole sections can be found in Christian bookstores dedicated to vision formation and vision casting. And if you did a quick Google search, you'd come up with over 31,000 initial hits just on the topic of vision. Obviously, vision formation, vision casting, and understanding our vision as a community of believers is important. But what exactly is the vision of the church anyways? Or perhaps a better question might be, what does kingdom vision look like? First of all, we must remember that kingdom vision flows in the riverbed of the supernatural. I don't mean that it only is only evident through signs and wonders and miracles, but kingdom vision is always evident in changed lives. Consider these two scriptures, Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, I particularly like the message version of this scripture. You can sit back and relax to hear this. Knowing the correct password, saying master, master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience doing what my father wills. I can see it now. At the final judgments, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preached the message. We bashed the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. <laughs> All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You don't impress me one bit. You're out of here. That's Matthew 7, 21 to 23 in the message. 
God is not impressed by supernatural manifestations or miracles because if they are legitimate, if they are legitimate signs and wonders, they emanate from him anyways. What impresses him are manifestations of love. Matthew 25, 31 through 40, again from the message version. This is the second scripture. When he finally arrives, blazing in beauty, and all his angels with him, the Son of Man will take his place on his glorious throne. Then all the nations will be arranged before him, and he will sort the people out, much as a shepherd sorts out sheep and goats, putting the sheep on his right and the goats to his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Enter, you who are blessed by my father. Take what's coming to you in this kingdom. It's been ready for you since the world's foundation. And here's why. Here's why. I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was homeless, and you gave me a room. I was shivering, and you gave me clothes. I was sick, and you stopped to visit. I was sick, and you stopped to visit. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then those sheep are going to say, Master, what are you talking about? When did we ever see you hungry and feed you, thirsty and give you a drink? And when did we ever see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will say, I'm telling you the solemn truth. Whenever you did it to one of these, to someone overlooked or ignored, that was me. You did it to me. The supernatural impact of the kingdom is not spooky spiritual or a series of Christians feel-good meetings filled with a lot of emotion and loud preaching in old King James English. Although these things do happen and should not be totally discounted as worthless, they should not be the primary focus. What are primary are changed lives. People impacted by the love of believers who become believers and impact the lives of others with the love of Christ and expand the kingdom of God while diminishing the influence of the kingdom of darkness or as the Introduction to the Vineyard's Discipleship Series, right out there on the table. The result is disciples making more disciples, making more disciples than gathering into kingdom communities called church. So kingdom vision is a supernatural flow that has a practical impact on individual lives that produces a supernatural community called the Church of Jesus Christ. I want to look at a, an Old Testament example of how God sees all of this. In Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14, and again, I'm going to be reading from the message as soon as I clear my sinuses. Excuse me. just popped. Ah, that was good. <laughs> Should do that more often. 
1 through 14. Ezekiel 37, 1 through 14 in the message. I, I like the opening statement. God grabbed me. <laughs> God grabbed me. God's spirit took me up and sat me down in the middle of an open plain strewn with bones. Now, I've been reading this, these verses for a long time. When I took my course in biblical archaeology, this plain exists. There is a valley full of dry bones in actual existence. So this is not just some ethereal, super spiritual event. This was an actual place that Ezekiel was taken to. He led me around and among them, a lot of bones. There were bones all over the plain, dry bones, bleached by the sun. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, master God, only you know that. He said to me, prophesy over these bones. Dry bones, listen to the message of God. God the master told the dry bones, watch this. I'm bringing the breath of life to you, and you'll come to life. I'll attach sinews to you, put meat on your bones, cover you with skin and breathe life into you. You'll come alive and you'll realize that I am God. I prophesied just as I'd been commanded. As I prophesied, there was a sound, an oh, rustling. The bones moved and came together, bone to bone. I kept watching, sinews formed, then muscle on the bones, then skin stretched over them, but they had no breath in them. He said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, tell the breath. God, the master says, come from the four winds, come breath. Breathe on these slain bones, breathe life. So I prophesied just as he commanded me, the breath entered them and they came alive. They stood up on their feet, a huge army. And God said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Listen to what they're saying. Listen to what they're saying. Our bones are dried up. Our hope is gone. There's nothing left of us. Therefore, prophesy. Tell them, God the master says, I'll dig up your graves and bring you out alive, O my people. Then I'll take you straight to the land of Israel. When I dig up the graves and bring you out as my people, you'll realize that I am God. I'll breathe my life into you and you'll live. Then I'll lead you straight back to your land and you'll realize that I am God. I've said it and I'll do it. God's decree. This is an amazing set of scriptures full of supernatural encounters, prophecy, miraculous impartation, the wind of the spirit, the raising of the dead, the restoration of life. This is powerful stuff, what I would call phantasmagorical. What impacts you in these verses? Do you know what impacts God in these verses? The cause, the reason why there is a valley of dry bones at all. Look at verse 11. Listen to what they're saying. This is God saying, listen to what they're saying. 
this community of believers is saying, we are dried up like dead bones. We are withered. We have perished. Why? No vision. Why? No hope for the future. Their vision was limited only to what they could see with their eyes. This is not vision. Ezekiel comes along and begins to believe beyond what his eyes saw. He began to speak of the unseen as if it had substance. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.13, I believed, therefore I spoke. This is vision. Creative, powerful, and fueled by faith, active in both proclamation and activity. If If you are going to say it, you must be willing to do it. I love this quote. I don't know who who said it, but I picked it up somewhere. Vision without execution is hallucination. (laughs) Isn't that good? (laughs) The writer of Hebrews puts it this way in Hebrews 11.1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So God gives them kingdom vision. In Ezekiel 37, 12 through 14, this is from the ESV version. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God. He's responding to what he heard. We are dead, we are dry, we are visionless. Say to them, thus says the Lord God, behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. I will bring you into the land of Israel or the land of promise. And you shall know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people, I will put my spirit within you. And you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken and I will do it, declares the Lord. Vision is always future tense. And kingdom vision, the promised vision of the Lord, the vision given to restore the hope of God's people, is futuristic in every sense of the word except one. And it is this. If you can catch the vision in your heart and mind, it will transform your life now. You don't need to see the vision actualized in order to get the benefits of what lies ahead. You only have to have the vision. And here's the good news. The vision is inherent in the gospel. Vision is part of the gospel. Ephesians 2, 12, and 13. This is from the uh, CEV version. At that time, you did not know about Christ. You were foreigners to the people of Israel. You had no part in the promises that God had made to them. You were living in this world without hope and without God, and you were far from God. We were all dry bones, all of us. But Christ offered his life's blood as a sacrifice and brought you near to God brought you into the purposes of God, brought you into the vision of God, the plans of God, said he has proclaimed since the foundations of the world. 
because vision is futuristic by definition, there is always the chance of losing sight of it. Because of the passage of time or because of difficult circumstances. Peter warns us that this will become more prevalent as we approach the last days in 2 Peter 3.1. This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. That's what scoffers do. They bring scoffing. <laughs> Never notice that repetitive. Anyways. Following their own sinful desires, they will say, where is the promise of his coming? Where is your vision? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, why are you hanging out here? Why are you in church? Why are you even bothering? Nothing ever changes. But the holy prophets didn't just warn us about the scoffers. They also encouraged us to hang in there for the fulfillment of the vision. Habakkuk 2, again from the message. What's God going to say to my questions? I'm braced for the worst. I'll climb to the lookout tower and scan the horizon. I'll wait to see what God says, how he'll answer my complaint. And then God answered. Write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so that it can be read on the run. The vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait, and it doesn't lie. If it seems slow in coming, wait. It's on its way. It will come right on time. And then again, the New Testament writer of the book of Hebrews addresses it in Hebrews 10.35. So don't throw it all away now. You were sure of yourselves then. It's still a sure thing, but you need to stick it out. Staying with God's plan so you'll be there for the promised completion. It won't be long now. He's on the way. Did you see that transition? In the Old Testament, it was on the way. In the New, the it has become him. The vision of God is Jesus himself. He'll show up most any minute, but anyone who is right with me thrives on loyal trust if he cuts and runs, I won't be very happy. But we're not quitters who lose out. Oh, no. We'll stay with it and survive trusting all the way. So what do I want to do now is to give you the ultimate vision, a vision giving, given and promised to be faithful and true by the risen Lord Jesus Christ himself, a vision that can not only keep you from perishing, but can also inspire you in the things of the kingdom of God and keep you until the vision comes. And then we're going to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to impart vision to all of us, both individually and as a co corporate community. I'm reading from Revelation 21, 1 through 7. 
John the Apostle is speaking, he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He, God, will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more. For the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Holy Spirit. I prophesy to you, Holy Spirit, as the breath sent by the living God to this little valley of dry bones. Father, we've gone through a long, hard winter. We're wearied in the natural, but our spirits are enlivened by your purposes, O oh God. We see vision emerging on the horizon of our lives. The sun is shining bright. The flowers are, are blossoming and blooming. The sound of the birds is in the trees. And there's hope in our hearts once again. So Holy Spirit, come and breathe upon your people. Breathe the breath of God into our lives, O oh God, that we would be a people of supernatural vision doing the will of the Father, expanding the kingdom of heaven here on earth now. Lord, that we would see a break-in of the future promises, the future vision in our now, in our community, O oh God. Father, I ask you to breathe on this heroin epidemic. Bring peace to the troubled souls, O oh God, so that they don't need a narcotic to find uh, their inner peace, O oh God, but they would have your Holy Spirit breathing into them. Blow across the lakes region, O oh God. Bring comfort to the parents who mourn the loss of their children through overdoses and traffic accidents caused by uh, them being inebriated, O oh God. We look to you, O oh God. In this valley of dry bones, we look to you. And we prophesy from our hearts, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Maranatha, even now, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray that you would begin to birth in the minds and hearts 
of each individual in this little community of believers vision for your purposes, O oh God, the things that you have ordained <coughs> while they were being formed in their mother's womb, O oh God, the things that you spoke into them in their formative stages, O oh God, the, the promises that you, you held out before them, O oh God, the purposes that you embedded into their DNA, O oh God, the things that that excite them and drive them, O oh God. Would you breathe on them and cause them to come to life now in their hearts, O oh God, that they would stand up on the inside and say, yes, Lord, I will do it, I will do it, I can do it, because Christ is in me and I can do all things through Christ. Oh, Holy Spirit, come as the wind. We prophesy to you. These dry bones cry out, O oh God. Come, Holy Spirit. Bless your people with your vision and your purposes, we pray in Jesus' name for his glory and for the well-being of the Lakes region. We ask these things. Amen and amen.